and welcome to the Being Heard podcast, a space where human and horse can come together through the art of discussion and story sharing. I'm your host, Delara, and I live in the UK with my herd of five horses who are going to be jumping in and out of this podcast as we go on this journey together. One thing I know is that we all need to be heard. We all need to be listened to. And it's through listening to the horses that I've come to realize that. And the feeling I have with them when they're holding space for me is something I feel is needed throughout the world. So my intention for the Being Heard podcast is to have the horse's voice be heard through the human's ability to listen. And that means listen to themselves, share their level of consciousness where they're at, share their journey with horses, and any information that's relevant to help create a world where being heard as a community is at the forefront. And through listening to one another, ideally we're able to assist in the awakening that's happening in the equine industry right now. So thank you for being here, thank you for tuning in, and thank you for listening. Hey everyone. Okay, so today I want to share a bit about my story and my journey that I've been on to get where I am today with my horses and some events that have brought us all to this place that we are living today. Not just where we're living, but how we're living and why. So I grew up in the polo world. Uh, My father introduced me to horses from a really, really young age. And I just remember as a child feeling in love. I just felt in love with horses. I loved everything about them. I loved their smell, the way they moved, the way they looked. And it was less about the particulars and more just what my body would go through when I was with them and I was around them. And it it was such a healing experience from day one. And as so many of you I'm sure can relate being a sensitive child and feeling so reactive to the world around me being around horses was a bomb it was like the only place or one of the only places that I could really feel calm and centered and in my body and just aware of the world from a place that felt less chaotic so horses have always been that for me and I have spoken to you know, many people now who have shared something similar in terms of their experience uh, when they were children and how horses do just offer, they offer that because of how they exist. And I don't mean how they exist in their discipline and in, in the way world that we've created for them. I mean, the energy that exists and flows through them at all times. And it's just, it's such a gift for us to even be close to that and to be able to share space with them in the way that we do. It's so intimate. So yeah, my first experiences around horses came through my father and I'm so grateful (laughs) to him for that. And also my relationship with my dad when I was young wasn't easy and was quite turbulent for me. And so it was interesting to be placed in that dynamic where I always felt like I was suffering a lot emotionally and I didn't know how to deal with that and being around the horses meant that I didn't need to think about how to deal with it it was something again like I've said it's just this organic feeling of calm would come over me and I would just be able to make sense of the world and I'm talking from you know a really young age like younger than seven and then as I got older it just that stayed as it was however you know I started to develop my personality and to become more sociable and think I started caring what others thought of me, you know, so I began developing my personality in a way that I thought would, I guess, caretake to the people in my life. 
So horses have always been present. And what happened was I became a rider very early on. So for me, again, riding was very natural. I didn't need to think about it. It was something that I wanted to also, I think, impress people with because I was such a young rider. I began riding at such a young age. And at the same time, I remember feeling this synergy between the horses that I was riding and the horses that I was riding, the majority of them were my dad's. And so there was this extra layer of connection where even though I was young, I was aware that he was the boss and that they were his and I was learning. I was an apprentice, you know, I was really in that initiatory phase of my life in terms of riding and school, schooling from people around me, like elders around me. Um, and sometimes it was really hard because, you know, it'd be riding in the middle of winter and and I, I couldn't do the thing and I couldn't ride the horse properly or I could, you know, and it, there was also, you know, I'm a human being and I was a girl going through lots of different internal experiences and then expected to just ride really well all the time. And that often wasn't the case, but I did have, uh, and I think I still do, but it's been a long time since I've ridden. I did have a, a natural gift on a horse. And so I'm also so grateful to the horse teachers that I had when I was young. The horses I rode when I was young, I kept thinking of two in particular. One, her name was Loretta. And it's funny because I actually have a friend now, a very recent friendship that's developing with an amazing sister whose name is Loretta. And another horse was Kitty. And these two horses were really hard to ride. No one, you know, quote, no one could ride them. And yet for me, it was just as soon as I sat on a horse, I could feel the horse. And it wasn't about getting the horse to do anything. It was just about that flow of energy. Like, I feel you. You know, I didn't use those words at that time, but that was all I was experiencing in my body was, I feel you. I feel this. I feel this connection. I feel this experience. I'm here with you. And like, let's do this thing. Like, let's do this thing that we're both being asked to essentially perform, but let's do it with connection. Because I really believe that that is why we are here with our horses is to continually enable that connection and do whatever we can to deepen it in a way that's mutually beneficial for the human and the horse so yeah i just remember feeling that at a really deep level like i was super empathic very sensitive and there was a level of telepathy that was going on even at that time and then i shut it down of course as so many of us do to a certain degree so, yeah, I always loved riding. I loved, like, it was such a privilege to be able to have my dad's horses to connect with and to ride. And um, in terms of polo, being in the polo world, I remember, okay, so what happened was I became pretty obsessed with, like, the background world, aka being a groom. Like, I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to, like, just do everything that I could. I was so hands-on. I would like be wanting to help tack up, untack. Like polo is a super fast-paced game for any of you who haven't watched it. It's basically comprised of uh, three different tiers. There's a low level, low goal, medium goal, and high goal. And my father plays low goal polo. And in low goal polo, there's four chuckers. The game is comprised of four chuckers and each chucker is around seven and a half minutes long. I hope I got that right. It's been a while since I watched a polo match. Um, and 
so there's a lot of like switching, like the whole, you, you, know, you come off the horse at the end of the chucker, the horse immediately gets untacked, the next horse goes on, the next horse has to be warmed up for the chucker. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot to do, you know, and it's, like I said, it's super fast paced, there's always a lot going on. And I loved that. You know, I loved the fact that there was like, I loved just everything about the tack and the bandages. And I wanted to learn everything I could because I wanted to be a groom. And I was really, really passionate about that. And I just felt like I was at home. I was like, cool, this is, this is my tribe. This is what I'm doing. And this is home. This is what I know. And I know it to this day, like the back of my hand, like it's just part of who I am. And I also felt like I was part of a community and that was really nourishing for me too. You know, I can look back on it now and, and really witness myself in that. And I, I felt so connected to the people who I was grooming with and they were all a lot older than me. But I think, again, I was, like I said, I was in this kind of learning phase from such a young age. I was watching everyone, watching how people did things, watching how people rode, you know, thinking like, okay, I like that. I don't like that. I'm modeling everyone and uh, picking up so much. So it was really like a playground of, of learning, to be honest. And like I said, I'm super grateful that I have had that. And it's interesting to reflect now and share that with you because I haven't thought about it for a while. So... I was obsessed with grooming. I wanted to do everything, like I said. So I became my dad's groom, but with someone else, obviously, because I was really young. I was around eight or nine. And um, I would be like running, running around, getting, just helping everyone as much as I could, which has um, definitely been part of my personality up to this point. And I remember I have this memory that's always stuck with me where I was walking from one yard to the other and in between these two yards was was the polo ground so I think I must have been telling someone something or getting something for one of my dad's horses and I walked out of this yard and I just looked to my left at the polo ground and there was a polo game on and this guy I remember his name was Alan Rosman and he he kind of galloped past me and he checked his horse. So checking your horse in polo is where you essentially just change gear, where you're slowing down to the degree that like, you check your horse before you hit the ball. Um, so it's like a collection of the horse in a way you could say. And to do that, you have to do a quick, sharp pull with your reins. And there's a bit more to it than that, but that's the kind of basic premise. And, um, and I saw him check his horse and all I saw was him yank on his horse's mouth so hard. And it was just so brutal. And the way that he was riding his energy, the horse's response, I was like, I never, ever, ever want to play polo. <laughs> like, I never want to do that. Like, that is not it. That's not for me. I like never want to play polo. And I was nine. And I remember thinking that like, no, I knew in my body then that that behavior that way was not the only way that there, there was another way it was just such a big no in my body which is interesting because of course I was still contributing to the polo world by riding and grooming and schooling the horses and getting them ready so yeah a little bit of a dissonance there and at the same time what I'm really sharing with you is that I knew at that age what was right and how to be respectful and what was absolutely not respectful and not 
conscious and delicate with animals that are giving so much. So I could see that from a really young age. And anyway, then that was my childhood really until my early teens. I just carried on grooming. I was obsessed with going to this yard every summer. I would wait all winter to go. I loved the horses so much. I just, everything about it. And then at around the age of 15, I really moved away from horses and I got a lot more involved in my social life at school. And I began playing a lot more music. So music is a huge part of my life. It, it has been actually since primary school, since I was about 11. Yeah, I play the drums, piano, guitar. I love playing music. I love music in general. And uh, it's definitely a way for me to express. And one of my battles, I guess, with myself this in this lifetime is to allow myself to explore music and express myself through music whilst also doing other things, basically. So not making it a career, but allowing it to be present in my life. And that acceptance of that side of me has actually brought me a lot of um, amazing relationships. It's brought a lot of amazing relationships into my life. And yeah, it brings me joy to this day. And also it's interesting because the horses uh, love it when I'm drumming near them. So uh, I started playing the djembe recently and I was playing with them outside and they just loved it. You know, they went straight into a meditative state. It was, I, th I had the complete opposite effect that I thought it was going to have. And yeah, it was, it was beautiful. So there's definitely a fusion happening there. Um, but yeah, I got more involved in the musical side of my life and in the social element of what life was presenting to me then and like really figuring out who I was, what I liked and also not doing that, just trying to fit in basically and trying to develop a personality that would be suitable for the people in my world, you know, trying to fit into a box. And I think that that is the same for so many people, especially my age and my generation and the generations above me. And at the same time, it's the gift that we get to go through is breaking down those walls and coming out of the box and shining is who we really are. And the horses have been a major part of that. So, um, so for a few years, I kind of moved away from horses. I went back maybe every couple of summers to see my dad's horses, but I wasn't very consciously engaged with them. So in my early 20s, I, so basically I left school at 18 and then I set up a business in London, uh, running my own club night. And it was amazing. It was crazy. It was totally spontaneous. It kind of came out of nowhere. I organized a gig for my 18th birthday in Brixton, the windmill. And uh, I, I went to quite a musical school. And so I knew quite a few people in the underground music scene in London, just through going out and in different social circles and had met, you know, a few people as well and different bands and, and whatnot who were involved in that scene. So for my birthday gig, uh, amazingly, I was able to get, you know, five bands playing and then those bands said, oh, this was great. You should do it again. So I was like, okay, I will. And it really took off and it was actually really successful and, and it was really easy. I didn't know what I was doing at the same time. I mean, I had absolutely no like admin skills. I had never done anything like that before. And there was just a major lack of professionalism in terms of dealing with 
managers and booking agents and things like that. But I learned really quickly and was, I kind of threw myself into the deep end and I think I assumed that I would figure it out. I was like, yeah, I'll just, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. It's really clear. It's really simple. So I just need to make it happen. And again, just like I did when I was learning to ride, I watched everyone around me. I was like, okay, who's doing what? Like, how is this done? And I moved to East London. And so that was a really, really good, like hotspot, you could say, I guess, to be in, to do that, to watch people, to observe, to learn. And living in that environment really helped me to flourish into, I guess, the promoter that I wanted to be. So I did that for a few years and then I also started managing bands and I managed one duo in particular who were actually two techno DJs who produce their own music. And then I realized that I just, that phase of my life was coming to an end. I could just feel it. And I knew that I wasn't happy being a promoter in East London at my age. It was crazy. It was a crazy nightlife. And, um, it was taking its toll. You know, I was like, okay, I either continued in this direction or I don't, or I change. And I think I wanted to get out of the management scene because I saw and I I felt and experienced quite a lot of, you know, I'll walk over you to get here and then you can walk all over me to get here. And it was just, I, I really didn't like that. And I didn't know how to express myself or have boundaries in that world. I was just like this, I don't know how to be in that dynamic. So a part of me really misses it. And even sharing the story now, I can feel how much I loved it. And I, I, especially the promotion side, I, I would love to get back into that at some point in my life as live music and music in general is just, I think it's part of what creates us. I think that sound you know, we are born from sound. That's one of my personal beliefs. You know, you could say sound and light when sound and light come together, but there's this thread in me that really believes that sound is, yeah, one of the main principal vibrations. So, yeah. And then I basically got sober, (laughs) completely sober, which I was not. And my whole life changed. I was in an amazing relationship with somebody who was also completely sober. He was the instigator of that shift in me. And we ended up going traveling for a while that I came back and I found horses again. Um, I love languages as well. I applied to go to university to do linguistics and then I found horses. So I decided not to go. And when I returned to England, what I did was I went back to the yard where my dad's horses are and I actually groomed for him for a summer and for some other people. And it was amazing. I was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. And I was very much still in that, like, I'm, this is what you do. You just like, you know, horses get ridden and you tack them up and you do this and you feed them this, and this is how they live. So there was an element right at the beginning when I first entered that world again, of just asleep. I was asleep to what else was possible. And over time, I became more aware and sensitive and curious. I was like, this, is this what we need to do? Is this the right thing? And anyway, so I, I groomed for around three years then. And 
it was amazing. I worked in Argentina and England and New Zealand and loved it. But that side of me that was awakening just was almost like a force of nature. She just wanted out. And so then I ended up buying about 10 years ago now, when I was 24, oh, well, 10 years ago, exactly, actually, I ended up buying a property in Hampshire, in the southwest of England. And I ran a business there, I ran a livery yard. And at this point, I haven't even introduced you to the horses yet. So so in this time that I was grooming, I met Florenzo. And I will do a separate episode where I introduce the horses um, because they are <laughs> they are something else. As again, I'm sure so many of you say that about horses that you know or horses who are intimately in your life. They just they bring a quality to my existence that nothing else does and ever will. So I met Florenzo. Florenzo is absolutely a soulmate of mine. He is in the herd that I have today and he's the boss and he's definitely the boss of me. Um, Definitely. And one of my greatest teachers. So him and I met in Argentina in 2011. And I, so that in 2014, I bought my first place in the UK. So that, you know, gives you a little bit of a timeline. So him and I met in Argentina and my partner at the time was actually going to buy him and we were talking about it. He decided not to. And I was back in England and I was like, well, why don't I buy him? And it just kind of fell out of my mouth. I hadn't thought about buying a horse at all. I was perfectly happy. I was just in my asleep, like, oh, this is what I do. I'm just, I ride other people's horses. And this horse, okay. He is one of those souls who is so, he's so open. So when he looks at you, it's a direct soul communication. He's just looking into you and through you and seeing all of you. And I did feel that when I first met him. But again, I wasn't as aware as I am now. And I was just clocked it. I was like, hmm, that horse is alive. Like that horse is is speaking now. So to cut a long story short, I went back to Argentina, got Florenzo. My plan was to break him in or finish breaking him in and train him to be a polo pony, which of course never happened. And I just couldn't ride him. I couldn't ride him. He was the only horse that I was just couldn't do anything with. It was, it was hilarious. I'm holding back my laughter now because it's just like so perfect and ironic at the same time. So I would like try and get on him and he'd take off and I'd be, you know, drugged behind him by the stirrup and, and I'd fall and smack my head. And that happened, you know, time after time after time. And he was very explosive. He would kind of explode out of nowhere and unpredictable. So at the same time, he was very chilled and that relaxed temperament was um, definitely a state of checking out, like he wasn't very present in his body. So he would be really in his body and then he would just check out and he and he wouldn't be. And I really can relate to that, of course. And I feel for him that he was like that and I can really empathize. At that time, I didn't see it like that at all. I just was, I was just 
carrying on. I was like, well, I just, he just need to train him more, which is of course what most people think. And so one day I went down with my partner early to ride him and he was still a stallion at this time. And I got on him and my partner was on a horse next to me and we put them into a canter and he just exploded. And next thing I know, I'm flying through the air. And I remember when I could feel his body underneath me and could feel it happening. And I remember just checking out myself. I was like, I'm not going to be able to, I just need to let go. Like I got this, this is going to be too big or too, if I try and hold this and I try and sit this, it's definitely going to be bigger than me and beat me and it's not going to work. So I kind of flew through the air and next thing I know, I'm just, I landed flat on my back on grass that was, you know, almost as hard as concrete. And my whole body could have just broken in that moment. It was one of those types of falls where, you know, you just know I really dodged it. And I know that there were angels around me at that time. I could just feel it. I was like, I... I just came back from something like it was, it was really intense. There was definitely a moment where after falling and opening my eyes that felt like an infinite pause where I just felt supported. I just felt divine support around me and like calling me to open my eyes. Of course, it was just a flash of a moment. So what happened was I broke, I did break multiple bones. I broke four ribs and my pubic bone and um, really damaged my right SI joint. So my right, not the hip joint, but the joint that is to the right and left of your sacrum. And I couldn't walk. So essentially what this did was it taught me how to listen. It taught me that I wasn't listening to him. It taught me ultimately that I needed to make a major change in what I was doing. And my life has never been the same since. My body's never been the same since. My body is tells that story in different ways, even though being a body worker, you know, I've had so much healing, received so much. It's still, yeah, I just, after an injury like that, there's, you know, there is a, a lot of um, damage and maybe emotional damage, emotional kind of carriage that I'm still holding. So potentially. And so that fall happened. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do with this horse. And at the same time, I just was like, I just need to keep going. Like this horse needs to be in my life. So I was determined to work one more polo season, uh, which was about a month and a half after I fell. That was when it began. Florenzo was gelded in that time, which is a whole other story. And it was really traumatic for him as well. And so... Then I was like, I, I decided to bring him to England to just carry on with my plan. And I healed amazingly as in I could walk and ride in a month. And I think that is, again, one of those examples of just pure determination where I, they, that was the only timeline that I wanted to know about was I will be working in March. And this happened on the 31st of January. So it was a pretty miraculous recovery, uh, but it did happen. So... <laughs> And I didn't think much of it at the time. I was like, I don't care. That's just, that's what I'm doing. So I will heal. Now I look back on it and I, I see how 
if I had given myself more time to unravel what had happened emotionally, then the healing journey would have been different. And Florenzo came to the UK. He, of course, needed to also process his journey and everything that he'd been through. He ended up, okay, so he came to the UK and then what happened? I kind of carried on his training again, very unsuccessfully. And he just, he, the thing is with Florenzo, he, he's so defiantly his own being that me trying to mold him into anything was never going to work. So the way that Flo and I exist now and the journey we've been on is allowing. Like I needed to go through the process of learning how to actually step back and observe him and listen to what he was saying, allowing him to be heard so that I could learn from him and le- and like not even learn so that I could do something, but do absolutely nothing. And from that place, that void take action. And those were all really pretty words, but really that was the the only thing I could do. Because um, when he was at the first yard we were at before, he ended up going out for six months, like the rest of the summer, basically. Because that's what you do with the youngsters in polo is you introduce them to chuckers, which is practice polo, and then they go out. Then they either come back in or they come in the next season. So that's what happened with him. But when I was training him, it was really hard. And then at the end of that season, I knew and I decided, I was like, I said, this is my last season. Now I want to give back to horses. And how I got to that point, Florenzo was a major catalyst. And the fall, I was, I thought that I was invincible before I fell off Florenzo. And my ego basically told me that I could ride anything. And what that meant was that I was seeing horses as, again, something, beings to accomplish something on. And Florenzo's um, way of being turned all that around because I couldn't see them as something to accomplish. I had to get way more grounded and humble and open my eyes. And I'm still on that journey. You know, I still learn from him every day how to be softer, how to be more present, how to be in my heart. It's all, it's a continual unfolding. But essentially that was the beginning. And so Florenzo was out of grass and then I just trained my ass off basically for the rest of my twenties. I I trained first in something called applied equine behavior and then animal communication, which of course I do today. And then um, Reiki, animal Reiki and human Reiki. And then craniosacral, equine craniosacral, which is my love as well. And the training was so incredible. And Maureen Rogers, shout out to Maureen, my teacher is next level. Uh, She also pioneered equine craniosacral in the industry. So if you are looking to train in equine craniosacral, definitely, definitely go and check out her work. Her website, I think, is equinecraniosacralworkshops.com. So... Yeah, then I found equine craniosacral. My whole lens of reality changed. So what Maureen did was Maureen really helped me to recognize, again, what was actually happening in the industry and what was happening in terms of physical balance with our horses that I didn't see before. 
So my eyes were opened to the truth and to the reality of the fact that so many horses, the majority of horses in the industry are physically out of balance and can be more in balance. And when it comes to equine craniosacral, it's an incredible, powerful modality to help that happen, to help horses come into a state of balance and harmony within their body. And that is the gift that we need to really give our horses is how after giving us so much, how can we give back? How can we, what can we do? What can we learn to provide for them in the way that they've provided for us for generations? And we all come from ancestors who, not all, but you know, <laughs> you know, potentially the majority of us come from ancestors who have horses in their history, you know, and in their lives. And so it doesn't just start with us because we have horses in our lives. This is a giving back generationally to all the horses who have helped us. And so equine craniosacral really opened my eyes. I then also trained in human craniosacral. And that was, again, next level, very, very um, beautiful deepening into the work and into myself as a practitioner and into what's possible and into the power of the body. The body is a form of art. And I think that the more we can get to know the tapestry that we're living in, AKA our bodies, the more we can actually, again, learn how to heal trauma, release, you know, find the wounds, find those places that we're holding onto that need our attention. And we can only do that if we can see and hear. <laughs> So Florenzo again really instigated that. And then, then the journey continued, essentially. So we all moved to the countryside. I will give you the horse's story, I think, again in another episode. Um, but Florenzo being such an anchor and instigator of so much change, he definitely, definitely needs to be in this share. So we all moved to the countryside. I started running a livery yard and... Over the years, uh, we were there for about four, three, three and a half to four years at the first place in Hampshire. And over the years, what happened was I just dove so deep into my spiritual journey and my own healing. I became obsessed with personal development and I trained in NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, other language modalities. And I was a therapist for a year. Uh, working one-to-one -one with clients. And then what happened was I I kind of put craniosacral to the side. At that time, I was still treating horses, but not as many. And my focus was 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 just off it. You know, it was on what I was doing, which was um, being a therapist or a different type of therapist. And then after a year, I what happened was I went through another transition where I wanted to bring the two together. So to work with the human and the horse. And that's still something that I'm passionate about because I had an experience once where I was treating a friend's horse. She was a friend of mine at the livery yard that I was running and she wasn't engaged with the session energetically or on any level really. And her horse was, was also not engaged. And so there was a level of stuckness and nothing not nothing was happening it was but i felt like there was something deeper that needed to be seen and needed to happen and i was the one who needed to take responsibility for for that to help instigate it so 
or not take responsibility, but I could feel it. So I wanted to do something about it. And so I kind of took my hands off the horse slowly. And then I said, I asked her about him and I listened to the way that she spoke about him. And then I questioned that gently. I just questioned it. And we had a short conversation and there was an opening that happened within her energetically. She softened and she allowed her perspective to shift. And as her energy softened, the horse's head just dropped on the floor and he was went so deep into a healing state. And I saw it then I realized, okay, this is, this is the reality. You know, we are, I hadn't, I don't think I'd been through my, my big spiritual awakening then. So I wasn't like operating from that perspective of like, we are all one, but I saw the bond. I saw it and it was undeniable, the mirror. And then I was, I went away from that session realizing that that was a lesson that I needed to take on board and, and really adhere to. And I couldn't just throw it away, you know, so then I became more passionate about working with the human as well and just discovering more about that. And of course that was reflected in me. What was I doing? How was I with my horses? How was I speaking about them? What was my energy? All of those things. So then in 2015, I went through my big spiritual awakening, uh, which was a very simple moment of, I was making bed in the spare bedroom in my house. And it just hit me. I can't describe it any other way. Like life and light hit me in the face. <laughs> like a ton of, I want to say bricks, but that's definitely not the right word. Um, like a tidal wave. I was suddenly awakened to what I was doing. And the main question that came through was, why am I here? Why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> like I suddenly dropped into that question and that question became this humongous anchor of just so much awakening. I can't, again, it's, it's quite hard to put into words, um, but I could see it then. I was like, okay, this is, I've, I've been asleep. I have, this is, now this is it this way, like this connection, this interconnection between everything. And I just went deeper and deeper into that. I began exploring lots of other um, like spiritual avenues and got really into ancient Egyptian mythology and what else? There were just so many things, you know, so there's, there's so much out there now that we can explore and find that um, can align with what's relevant for us to continue our awakening and our deepening into ourselves. And that was a journey that I went on. So while I was doing that, of course, I was evolving and changing and I ended up closing down the livery yard and I just wanted to connect with my horses. So I was like, I just want to feel them. I could, my senses were opening up so much that I could feel them more and more. So I was actually beginning to hear them at a deeper level. And when that started, that again became one of the biggest like nectars for me. I was like, this is amazing. Like this connection, this, they, this leading me that they are doing, I need to do something with this. I need to change my life to make this the focal point. And so I did, and I, we ended up moving to Dorset to a place that I, I kept saying, I just want a place for me and my horses now. I just want this connection. And I moved to a beautiful spot, really close, really close to the coast. And, um, that was where we wrote the book together. And 
what I said about, you know, I was beginning to hear them. Again, I mean, when I think about what that does, like the fact that we can actually truly listen to our horses and offer that as one of those pieces of giving back to them, it really blows my mind still to this day because there's it's it's endless. It's it's like the gift that keeps on giving at the same time. And they always have such profound, simple wisdom for us, which guides us away from our human, you know, I guess a human way of seeing things and it and into how to put it into for me it's always a more simplified deeper version of the truth of a truth that's relevant and without anything else in life just to be able to receive that is is enough is enough to feel love to feel loved to remember why you're here to give love like to to just be in the experience of your center and then to act from that place that is what they help us do and so i began to develop my listening a lot more and that was something that they helped me with they told me or i got the the message from them before we moved to dorset to actually get rid of all my horsey books so i did and i like i didn't even know which ones i had now I mean, it's a long time ago but yeah, I got rid of all my horsey books so that I was just listening them, to them from a blank state, basically. And because of the way I am, I knew that if I was reading someone else's book, there were, I might, again, like model that as I did when I was young. And so I really just didn't want to do that. I wanted to find out what they sound like for myself. So it was exactly what we all needed. And it was a deepening of everything for me. That those are the two things that happened. <laughs> the two main things that happened were deepening into my spiritual self and spirituality in general and spirit and connecting with all of the realms that are entangled within that and listening to the horses because those two things are completely um, unified, you know. And that was where I learned is that the deeper I went into one, the deeper I went into the other. So horses being spiritual beings, as I began to share more and more about that and more about my experiences and more about craniosacral as well, um, I saw that that was a pattern and it was something that's needed. And horses are spiritual beings, as I said, and you know, it's again, it's undeniable. So being able to share that and feel that is a way to honor them, I think, uh, outside of just being ridden, uh, which of course is a, for so many people can be a beautiful way to connect with them, but it isn't the only way. And I did stop riding in 2015 and I, I will share that story in another episode as well. So we were there for four years and then um, a lot happened in that time in terms of them guiding me. Uh, I would want to do things and they would guide me either in a different direction or I would want to not do things and they would guide me towards, you know, what I what I didn't want to do. And it, there was so much um, support that I had from them in terms of figuring out who I was and what the next steps were for us, even though we were just, you know, in this isolated village. There's still a lot that goes on internally, you know, leading on to my next 
point, the reason that we actually ended up moving to where we are now in the New Forest, in just um, about an hour away from where we were in Dorset. Uh, the New Forest, by the way, for those of you who don't know, it's a national park in the UK where it's a protected area and um, beautiful, beautiful ancient woodlands as well as roaming horses. So there are horses walking down the road. There are horses, herds of horses just you know wherever they want. There are foals that have just been born sleeping in the sunshine on the verges. It's it's magical. It's absolute magic. And you know, you've got pigs at the right time of year eating the acorns and then you've got the cows. And so to see these wild horses and the way that they move and their bodies and like what's going on with them and their health and their well-being and like what are they eating and not eating. I mean, it's just, it's freaking amazing. So we moved here and the reason is because I actually ended up moving the horses because I wanted to have more community around me. So on my personal development journey, I realized that I was experiencing really profound loneliness. And as much as I had the horses, I had shut out. I hadn't, no, it's a different, I had shut out people in my life in the sense of I hadn't developed my, my ability to connect with people, really. And that was it. You know, I was actually telling the story to a friend last night and I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was like, no, actually, it's not that I just went from feeling lonely to then wanting community. It was like I had to look at why I did, wasn't letting people in, you know, and what skills I had developed and not. And so as I did begin to focus on that, of course, my life began to change and more and more people came in and I started to create the sense of community around me that I had been craving, but also that meant that I was focusing on a lot of other things that I was interested in. And so I wanted to know who I was without the horses. And it was a huge decision for me to move them. It was definitely one of the scariest decisions that I've ever made. The other one was definitely getting back on Florenzo after the fall. And so I moved the horses and all in all, we were separated physically for 10 months. I was going to see them definitely a couple of times a week. So I was seeing them a lot in terms of being physically together. I could still see them, but not living together. That went on for about 10 months. In that time, I decided to sell my house and move to the New Forest because I they ended up moving to the New Forest, by the way, to a farm just outside the New Forest. And I decided to sell my house, move to the New Forest and find community. I wanted to go to events. I wanted to have more life near me. I just wanted to be able to connect more and more and more and more with people. And I still do. I'm really proud of myself for learning how to just sit and be present with people and listen in ideally the same way that I do with my horses, maybe not as well <laughs> um, because it's so different. I think I'd always been quite scared of connecting with people before which is why, you know, I surrounded myself with nature and horses. And my whole life has taken a flip in that regard. And I've got some incredible people in my life now. And the community here is really building and I'm meeting more and more people all the time and going to different events. And it's a constant journey to look at myself as well. You know, how present am I being with people? What am I bringing to the space? Am I listening? You know, where are my boundaries? All of those are themes. And so 
the horses guided us and me to this property that we were at. So it was actually Florenzo who said, who mentioned that the property that we were looking for was in this direction. It was closer to them than some of the other properties we were looking for. And I really trusted him completely. I trust them implicitly, like what they say goes. If they said that I need to do something or not do something, then of course I would have my own um, judgment on it, but their, their voice would hold major sway. So they absolutely divinely orchestrated this <laughs> with the universe. Uh, we all did, I think, that they were such amazing web weavers of the whole experience. And now we're here. Essentially, we moved here on the 23rd of November, and it's now the middle of July. And so we have huge plans for the place. And the main thing that I'm experiencing at the moment in terms of sticking to the theme of my story is deepening my connection with the herd again from a very new place. They, they are teaching me now about true empathy, acceptance and compassion. Uh, compassion for myself when I've been in times where I haven't been able to hear them and it's been kind of devastating and compassion for them and their journey and what they've been through and the fact that you know we've had this whole big shift of they moved to a new location and they moved here and also witnessing them in their magic and how they exist and live energetically the energy work that they have done here on this land already and that they can not even that just that they've done that they are going to do i can feel it it's so immense and it's so it's so humble as well they're not doing it for praise or to be seen they're doing it because it's their job <laughs> it's their natural impulse and they know what the plan the quote plan is like we all have a vision together like this vision that i have here which is about setting up a space to merge creativity and horse consciousness together it's our vision. It's not just mine. And what they've been teaching me subtly over the last few months is that is to also let go of the vision at times, like to make sure that it's malleable and that I might have an idea of how things are going to be, but I can't control that idea. And to put that slightly differently, like I need to be able to adapt to the energies that are going to be shifting and be prepared to say, oh, I may not have been right in in this particular thing i may not have been right and so what is what is right now what do i need to do now and to ask them for guidance and follow them and to summarize my whole story i would say that my my main purpose in life and what brings me the most joy is feeling empathically connected to them to horses in general it, there's nothing like it for me it's when I am in that state, I know, and I, I know who I am, and I can feel what my purpose is, what my reason for being here is, and just just that is such a gift. Is because when I don't, when I've experienced the opposite, it's like um, I experience the opposite of all those. I go so deep into, well, why am I here? What, who am I? And those questions are necessary. Um, but my path has definitely been about remembering 
and reminding myself constantly that this connection with horses, this deeper spiritual, completely unified connection is possible. And I want to remind the whole world of that. I want, you know, as many people as possible. And even if it's just one person, <laughs> that's still amazing. But I, ideally, I'd love as many people as possible to feel that. Not just, you know, to logically like hear me say it or hear anyone say it or have it as a concept, but to actually feel it. Because when we feel connected to horses, we're connected to everything. There's no separation from anything. And because of, again, like the proximity to how we've lived with horses for so long, it's so perfect because they provide us with that and we're already living close to them. You know, if it was, say, deer, you know, if you try and, of course you can connect empathically with a deer. But the fact that we have these very, very personal relationships with horses, you know, and there's so much more to say about that, about like how humans project onto their horses and why they even have them and all of the emotional components and the emotional, like, um, mirroring that happens, but just the fact, you know, just to simplify it, just the fact that we have these personal connections with our horses and we've have done for years, generations and generations. Now is the time more than ever to use the platforms that we have to share the message that horses are spiritual beings and they are more than machines to be used <laughs> or athletes to be used. You know, and I'm really, really excited about that change and about that realization coming to the forefront. So ultimately, this podcast is a space for the horses to be heard and for people to be heard as well. So that's my story. <laughs> and I have so much more to share on you know, the horses journeys and how we all came together. Uh, so I'm going to do, like I said, another episode on that. And I'm just really looking forward to going on this journey with all of you and sharing the wisdom that comes through. You know, I want you to know that it's, I am going to be sharing wisdom that comes from the horses. And I'm also going to be sharing snippets from my own personal journey about, you know, what might come through as a, as an idea or a philosophical concept that I'm chewing on and learning from. So it's a bit of both. It's going to be the horses and it's going to be me and there's going to be other people involved as well with interviews. And I want people to do poetry readings and things like that. So there's going to be a quite a number of different components within the podcast, but I'm super excited to just unravel all of this with you. So thank you for being here and thank you for listening. I feel very heard. <laughs>